You're listening to The Running Public. From marathoners to mud runners, we all have the same goal. Get to the finish line faster. That's right. This podcast is for you guys, the running public. This is the Running Public's Training Tuesday. Training Tuesday is where we talk about training only. One topic, we dive deep, we explore it completely. It's training, it's Tuesday. Training Tuesday. Tuesday. Uh, Bracken, the last time um, we spoke, you were sorting through uh, what the heck to do with your big weekend workout last weekend, and we landed on the incline treadmill grind, we will call it. Did you Mm -hmm. end up hitting that? Well, I have good news and bad news. What do you want first? The bad news, of course. I got up early that morning. Got up at, not early, but I got up at 5 because Friday's a basketball morning, and I wanted to <laughs> come into the workout uh, a little tired. So I decided okay. I'd still play basketball that morning, use it as a, a warm-up, and then maybe like coming into the climb with some downhill in my legs already, because a lot of plyo and a lot of jumping, and um, and wait, I got wait. I had a. So you're gonna yeah. you're gonna play basketball first or second? I did. Well, basketball starts at six. Oh, so it's early, early. Got it. Yeah. So I thought I'd do that, come home, and get right into the workout. So a little bit of a calorie deficit so that I could practice my hydration fueling starting 10 minutes in rather than, you know, 50 minutes in and have some fatigue in my legs to start it out. And I, while I'm stretching out, I, I get an email from the race and it becomes very apparent to me that this race isn't going to happen for me. What? Yeah. What do you mean? Well, there's a couple factors, but the race is an hour further from where I thought it was. Okay. And the mandatory packet pickup is the day before in the afternoon. No exceptions made. Pretty typical with like ultras, I suppose. Yeah, I I guess I didn't think of that. And because you have to do gear check, they have to walk through all of your gear and so they can't do it race morning. Mm-hmm. Uh and it and it just became and and it was um looking at our flights, ours is an overnight flight, which I didn't fully comprehend. So it's actually a day closer to the race. So on our first day there, I would have to leave and take with me whoever wanted to come to the race and go the day before stay overnight race and then try to drive back again that night best case scenario so basically i'm taking a 10-day family vacation and cannibalizing the first two full days of it and my brother and his new wife are going to be over there and of course he would come with because he would feel compelled to crew the race or whatever my dad and suddenly i'm putting i'm being that person that i've been on the opposite end of the line from in coaching consults and coaching calls, taking a family trip and turning it into a selfish pursuit. And Shoot. I'm not willing to do that. How, Plus, how, I'm going to be a zombie for the next few days. So now I take the first two days and turn it into travel and people having to choose, do I feel compelled to go to the race and be on my feet outside in the probably crappy weather for 10 hours? Or do I stay home and then deal with the, uh, I'm the only person not choosing to do this Crocker family expedition. And then I can't go on hikes or walks or help with the kids for the next two or three days because I can't walk. So it was becoming apparent that the logistics of it and the family aspect were probably going to cause more damage than it's worth. Not to mention travel itinerary like that before a race that big not being pretty uh, detrimental to your performance for sure. Uh, when did you have this realization? At 5.15 Friday morning. And you still did the workout. I know you did the workout. That um, brings us to the good news. I well, still did the workout. Uh, oh, hold on here. How, how did you not realize this logistically previously? 
Well, I hadn't double-checked our flights. For I mean, We booked the flights months ago. Yeah, I just knew we were heading over there on the 18th. Race was on the 21st. There's a good buffer there. Turns out we're leaving at almost 11 p.m. on the 18th, getting in there on the 19th, and I would have to drive to the race on the 20th. So that compresses the schedule. I didn't realize that until I got the email saying it's mandatory pickup the day before. And it takes place in Donegal, but there's Donegal City and there's County of Donegal. And this, the town of Donegal is an hour and a half outside of where the race actually takes place from. So both things were stretched a little bit. Got it. Yeah, And, you and then like- I started looking at Airbnbs there because suddenly I realized I'm going to have to stay overnight. Because I'm. it would mean a 2 a.m. departure time if I wanted to drive up the morning of, which means I probably have to wake up at 1.30. Yeah. And time zone's already screwed up. So that doesn't even seem logistically viable so now there's no airbnb really since the race has already been booked and it's a remote area of ireland there's no airbnb within an hour and a half two hours and the ones that are are hundreds a night and we're already renting airbnbs for hundreds a night here so it was turning into hey it's convenient we're already there and it's an awesome race and it's in my hometown too it's not in my hometown it's in the county adjacent to my hometown and it's going to end up being an extra between, I mean, car rentals, hundreds a night there, plus hundreds for Airbnb. It's going to turn into about a thousand dollar addition to the, to the the trip and two days rather than one day and a hundred bucks. Well, I think the good news is, uh, listening to all those points, it sounds like the decision was easily made for you. Not like a small detail that you were almost set up to already do with a minor inconvenience. This was like 12 different things that suddenly yeah. seemed to pile on the plate. So at least there's peace of mind with that. And I'm also kind of disappointed for you. I'm very disappointed for you, if I'm being honest, because I knew how much this fired you up. It, it did fire me up. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not crossing it off. It's almost like a not now, but this isn't shutting the door on it. I, If it were my own vacation, it would still make sense to do all these things. But there's going to be nine other people trying to have the same vacation and they would all say the same thing which is hey don't worry about us but mm-hmm. i can't i can't do that i've advised people against that in the past i'd have to take my own advice i've seen right. the rifts it causes when you cannibalize a family vacation to do a event yeah. that doesn't matter to anyone else man well you know what i think i'm gonna i'm gonna bring this to us as a collective unit here is you know I'd say we're in a pretty committed relationship you and I. Mm-hmm. We're we're recording this on a Tuesday morning, a little behind, but we're what is it 6 a.m. Tuesday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and you knew about this Friday and you didn't communicate it with me. And I'm feeling like I'm the mistress and Lisa is your main your main deal now, which is unacceptable. Obviously your podcast co-host needs to come first in knowing these big life events bracken. Well, I told my parents yesterday. <laughs> oh, okay. And we discussed it throughout the weekend. It was one of those where I realized this probably won't work, but I'm going to prese- proceed as if it will. So I still did the workout. I still climbed 9,000 feet. I, 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 I tested out my new trekking poles that I got specifically for this phrase. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I still proceeded because logistics could change. Maybe they'd say, hey, we can have someone pick up your packet for you. Maybe I realized that something else opens up around there. Just talking with the family. Maybe it would turn out that it's super realistic. I didn't want to make a snap decision when I was in the morning, maybe dreading the workout. So I wanted to wait until afterwards and give it a few days and make sure. But last night I officially uh, opened up my entry. That's the other thing. I don't. Uh, there are limited spots. So I wanted to open that entry back up because registration is closing real soon. Shoot. Well, I'm sorry, Bracken. That must have taken a little wind out of your sail. So are you going to do anything with this stay power that you are now building? Are you going to pivot here or are you just going to go on vacation and may or may not use some of this stuff that you're working on building with your fitness? Well, I'm pivoting in all my quality now as high rocks. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So like yesterday I went and did... I had uh, five-minute intervals scheduled on my calendar, and instead I took it out to the bike path. I ran it on pavement, 
while testing out those new Puma Nitro DV8 Elite or DV8 Nitro Elite that we got from Puma. Mm, So um, getting ready for the concrete pounding rather than downhill pounding. So I'm not changing my training too much, but it's all high rocks base now. All my, my quality will be on concrete and I'll add a few more movements in. But really... I felt like I was really strong going into and coming out of Tennessee and then I stopped doing the long run and I stopped doing big hill workouts. And I think this is more of, I don't need to do anything with my fitness right now. If an event pops up, yeah, cool. But more than anything, I like that I've kind of shorn up my long run in, in hill deficiency and then kind of use this as an excuse. Now I'm back. I can not lose touch with it. Make yeah. sure that at least every two weeks I'm swinging long and steep. I think that's good. And then you can figure out your life after high rocks based on how you feel. Yeah. So anyways, that's the big news in my life, but I still did the workout and, and that was, uh, that around 7,000 feet in, I started thinking, I'm not going, why would I, why would I still do this? And that was kind of exactly the reason that I wanted to still do the workout. Yeah, that says that says a lot actually about where your headspace is at. Considering you just were most likely fully deflated hours before, did it go well? Mm-hmm. Did you uh, did you feel good about it? Yeah, so I set it up as I uh, I decided mentally and physically I don't think I should just climb for nine thousand feet. I think I should do interval style so that I can work harder and kind of I feel like I can deplete myself more uphill if I can break it up in intervals and and just take a quick break and that I'm calf Achilles area is always a little worrisome if you're going to be doing multiple hours of one steep grade. So I thought if I could get out, shake that my legs out in between reps. So I did a uh, nine by thousand classic road workout, nine by thousand. Yeah. Class, nine by a thousand feet. I assume yeah. you're talking a little different, but yes. First five were kind of fun. They were enjoyable. It was something new. I've never done this specific workout. And then six, seven, the wheels started coming off. And then seven, eight, nine were just a like a powerless slog. Mm-hmm. I was out of right. power. Yeah, it was more of a power hike fest, I assume. Yeah, it was to the point where I couldn't run above 20 anymore, percent incline. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that a good feeling, though? I love that feeling. I did a, uh, a workout at Highland Ski Hill, which is only in an uh, 145 feet of gain this weekend and I did 26 reps up and down but by the last six reps I was to the point where I conceded to power hiking and it's only a 145 foot hill granted it's 30 percent or plus at the very top but I was mm-hmm. like nope like my return on investment is gone anyways I was very satisfied with the fact I was reduced to that so I, I enjoyed that aspect and maybe you did too yeah and especially because you don't have to stop like you power hiking is power hiking. You're getting kind of the same stimulus whether you're going at three miles per hour or two and a half as you fade because it still requires the same output. Whereas running on the road, if you're trying to run 5K pace, once you're running half marathon pace, it's not the same stride. It's not the same power output. Even if you're hurting, there's that cardiovascular element. Power hiking uphill, when you're smashed, putting one foot in front of the other is the same as putting one foot in front of the other. So they well, add, you, there is some power to that. Well, I'll tell you what, I, my rule was I'm going to run up this hill until my heart rate hits 160 and then I will power hike. Mm-hmm. My heart rate stayed at 160. In fact, drifted up to 162 to 64 by the top of the hill. Even though I was power hiking, it didn't change my cardiac response. So I mean... In that sense, it's not really even taking the easy way out. It's just continuing the effort you wanted to continue. So, um, anyway, side tangent. You were you were talking about uh, how you finished smoked. Yeah, I was smoked, and, and but I finished. I was to the point where I was having things that didn't want to work anymore. My lower back was really tight. I was trying to test out poles, but they were really slick against that treadmill incline. I had a rubber cap on it, but it was, it was a hard rubber. And I didn't want to stop the workout to try to apply something different. So I kind of had to like really engage my back and stab it into the treadmill at a higher angle. And I could only hold it there for a little bit. I couldn't I actually see that push being very effective at all. It wasn't, but because I was thinking if I can still make this race work, I want this motion to be really blown out so that on race day, I can handle it for hours. 
Got it. So it actually wasn't helpful. It was detrimental. I was fat. I, I, my heart rate was lower power hiking than it was using the poles. But that, that weird, like picture, if you were just standing forward and you tried to just stab something one handed, mm-hmm. like, tighten up and stab. I had to hold that brace for every power hiking rep I did. And I alternated poles and running each round. How so I did 40 entertained the poles. Like what? A, I mean, your pole could hit the side next to the belt. It could hit the, belt. which as I fatigued, it, it did could, all the time. Yeah, and it, that just had to be a mess. It was, and it was so uncomfortable that I thought this is like perfect ultra training. You I made myself the- collapse them and put them in and out multiple times per rep just to like stay on it mentally when I was tired, go through those reps. You may be the first idiot in history to try to use poles on a treadmill. I could be wrong, but I think most people won't even open the box to that possibility. Um, what are you? Are you on your Tinder or something? No, I'm pulling up my heart rate. I wanted you to see this. Okay, Bracken's been scrolling through his phone for the last minute, not paying any attention to me. Oh, I'm I'm doing both. So here's my heart rate graph for the workout. Oh yeah, it starts with green and yellow, which green is aerobic. Uh, yellow is it's basically high end aerobic to slightly over it's all and just can, washed out light color to me but yeah but i see there's a dip there about two-thirds of the way through yeah the 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 meter just dropped off for a second okay but then what you can see is that the first for the first like two hours there are peaks and valleys yep. and after that my heart rate stopped coming down even on my rest breaks, even on anything, it just stayed up, a, like so, just slightly under lactate thresholds. Yeah. It, it just d- wouldn't move. Mission accomplished. Yeah. You know the point when it stops coming down, even when you stop moving, that you're in that place now. Yeah. It's kind of where I was at at the end of my, uh, my run. This 26 season. reps of Highland is legit. Yeah, I got like 4,600 feet or something on there. I ran in the new Scott with the Kimbalu, the Kimblack, whatever it is. Kimbalu RCs. The Kimbalu, um, because I'm a big Scott fan. We talked about the Scott Super Track RC, and so I ordered the Kimbalu uh, RCs. Um, it may be my new favorite shoe. I ran in it for two hours and 20 minutes with not a single hot spot. It has more room in the toes for your feet to splay, yet locks around your your arch and your heel perfectly. This is supposed to be a shorter course, three mil drop, faster racing shoe. And I felt as locked in as I could going up and down without my feet hurting at all in two hours and 20 minutes. And when I got to the flats, I felt like I could run fast on them, like the way it worked for my foot. Hmm. I, that was your one complaint about the super track after you, after oh, the uh, trail race you just did. Correct, and um, and so now I'm I'm very impressed. Like when I put that shoe on out of the box, I hated it. Like I put it on, had a hmm. hard time getting my foot in. But you know how the Scots really grip the inside of your foot and just lock it. I didn't mm-hmm. like how the arch felt under my foot. I walked around. I was like, well, there's a waste of 160 bucks. It was like how I felt when I stepped into my first pair of Mizunos, uh, the Wave Rider back in the day, they were super firm and clunky. Mm-hmm. And like you'd walk on hard concrete and they'd almost click, they were so hard. And then I got running in them and I was like, oh my God, this Wave Rider. Like I had no idea it worked so well once I started moving forward. That's how the Kimbalu was. I was like, crap. And as soon as I started running in it, I fell in love. So um, anyways, for anybody considering, uh, very, very impressed with that shoe. Um, but you can't judge it based on slipping your foot in right away. So that's what I did. And then I just started ripping on them a little bit because it was, it just felt right. It, it didn't have quite as much underfoot protection as the RCs or the Scots, the super tracks. So I could see it on some rocky stuff that you might have to just go with the super track regardless. But um, it's a legit shoe, Bracken. It's a legit shoe. Wow. Mm-hmm. So how does it feel? We don't, we don't have to go too far into this because we've already rambled about my stuff too long. Yeah. But I suppose you should get the same opportunity. How does it feel compared to the Super Track? How does it ride? How does it um, It has feel significant. Foot? It feels a lot like the VJ Extreme 2, as in there's not nearly as much stack height or cushion underneath it. So it's okay. a pretty firm and hard feel, whereas the Scott Super Track feels like a little more of a, a denser foam sort of ride. This is more ground contact and feel like the VJ, which is great. Um, so it doesn't, doesn't have as much cushioning. 
uh, which is the first thing I noticed about it. But for some reason, that didn't seem to affect my foot as I continued to run. It was a very wet, you know, I was on a ski hill with melting snow, which was still melting. So it was very (laughs) soft. So that also played into it. But um, and so it's just less of a shoe. It's like 40 grams lighter. It has less of a heel to toe drop. So it's just it felt like it just put me on my forefoot more naturally if I wanted to use it for something shorter. It only has a three mil drop versus the Super Track, which has a five, I believe, or a six. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you know which it is? Super Track is five or six? I thought it was six, but it. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, that three to six is my trail sweet spot. Yeah. So that would be it. And it had a nice, just the toe box was nice and roomy, which you know I used to run in ultras a good bit. I don't anymore because they just didn't lock on my foot the way I like them too. So it, it's not nearly as wide as an ultra is in the front, but it's just wide enough where I could get a good splay out, which uh, got rid of hot spots on my forefoot from all the climbing, um, but was locked in the point where my foot did not move an inch. And I was in wet, uh, you know, I was in slop um, a lot of it. So my feet were wet most of the run and I was running descents uh, as fast as four minute pace down that gravel descent. And I was, it didn't budge one time in two hours and 20 minutes. So no retie, not one. That's the mark of a lockdown is if you don't have to retie after you've been descending. Yeah. So anyways, that was fun. I, I don't know how I got on that, but, uh, legit shoe. Yep. Well, I changed shoes and outfits three times during my workout or twice. I had three different outfits. Is that, it's funny you call them outfits. Is that like your? <laughs> well, way? what would you call is that, like, is, when you change is, head to toe? Is that your way to like stay motivated? You're like, I'm not feeling cute anymore. I'm gonna change my outfit so I can stay on the treadmill. So at like 60 minutes, and you're like, no, it'll help. New pair of shoes and some new leggings. That'll keep me on from hour one to two. Ironically, it ended up doing that for me mentally. Gear, just clothing, refreshing. Kit, but no, it was any kit. of those words. No, I just popped on a new outfit. It wasn't just like a new top or some new slacks. <laughs> did, did <laughs> it was change, a sweat thing. <laughs> did you change your skivvies? No, I kept those actually because I wanted to feel soaked in sweat, see if, if the ones I chose were going to chafe me at all. Because I've done all my ultras except for one has been relatively nice weather, 60 degrees or less. For me, the colder the better for an ultra mm. to a point. But this one has the potential to be 80s or 40s. So either way, I'm going to be wet because if it's cold, it's going to be rainy. If it's hot, I'm going to be sweaty. Yeah. So I wanted to be soaked down there and see what the chafing situation was like. But I was, when I do incline treadmill work, I don't know about you, but I actually wear compression stuff. Me too. um, Shorts, but top as well. And at least half length, if not full sleeve, just to keep the sweat from dripping out onto the, the onto the belt. Anyone who does incline work realizes that very quickly, your biggest enemy becomes how slick the belt gets at a at an angle. And you know what? To pay credence to VJ, I was just making love to Scott. But if I'm concerned about the sweat and the incline, it's an easy call. VJ's go on my foot because they handle that better than anybody. But it's a major concern. Yeah. And so that's what I did. I had, I started in the spark and then laid out next to the treadmill. I had the extreme, the extreme two and the ultra sitting there. Can you, does and, it look like aliens are about to abduct me right now? Yeah. You just went totally blue. What happened? <laughs> I don't know. The sun's starting to come up over here and I just went, it's bizarre. It's weird. It looks I like you're do- sitting under a St. Pauli's girl sign. Yeah. I don't know. My, uh, my camera just lost its mind. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, I had three VJs waiting. Less less for the the grip on the bottom I was concerned and more of just all the sweat pooling in my shoes because it, it'll just run down your calves. And then I had uh I had extra compression outfits sitting there. Because they they keep the sweat in nice, but eventually they're just so saturated that they stop retaining it. So and then I had wristbands or headbands wrapped around my wrist to keep that from happening and uh, headbands. I probably went through five headbands on my head and three shirts and two compression shorts. Just, I had a box fan set up blowing on me that I started at, at one and then had to move up to power two and then power three, but it's just such a sweat box. 
and with my what. treadmill setup with the rafters, my head goes in between them, which is like 10 degrees hotter in between those floor joists than it is below. Traps so the heat there. I uh, just sit and bake up there. I will tell you what, if you put in a hard effort, I'm going to say at 20 to 25% or more on the incline trainer and you go shirtless or in a sports bra, I suppose for your women, women, it is a losing game. You will not yep. win, even with the towel and wiping it off as much as you can. And when you think of it, it's a losing game. Your treadmill belt will end up saturated and you will end up splitting. The best approach on the incline treadmill is to have like four shirts ready. And when your first one gets soaked, switch it out. And then the second yep. one gets soaked, switch it out and wipe off the excess sweat on your arms and head with your towel because you'll go for about 45 minutes of real effort if you're a sweater or an average amount of sweater. And mm -hmm. you're, as much as you wipe your body off with a towel, you're going to have fallen soldiers along the way, and you're going to end up spinning your wheels. So I think the best approach is the multi-shirt approach um, on the incline trainer. When My really setup looked it. very strange. Probably looked like a freaking garage sale. All these outfits set up right next to me. I went through yeah. a lot of towel. And that's the thing. Most Usually I won't do too much wiping of stuff but on those big long days you gotta you gotta start wiping sweat the moment it appears and that was the downside of the intervals is that anyone who's run or worked out knows that oftentimes you get in this little equilibrium state while you're working out but the moment you stop moving your sweat starts pouring and that's yeah. what happened in between those climb intervals so yeah. i i practiced the race day nutrition which for me is all through tailwind so i'm drinking i just set a timer to beep every 10 minutes and i took two swallows every 10 minutes and so i drank over the course of three hours i drank 49 ounces i had 50 that I had earmarked for it and I got through 49 and I lost seven pounds. Wow. Having consumed 50 ounces, I still lost seven pounds. Wild. So it just shows how much water you actually use. So yeah, again, if you're going to do incline work, have, I mean, I would buy if I were not a trail runner, I don't know why I would be doing incline work if I wasn't a trail runner, but if I wasn't, if I didn't need VJ's grip off-road, I would still have a pair just for incline treadmill workouts because I haven't found another shoe yep. that'll do it. I've tried Continental Rubber. I've tried the Michelin Rubber. I've tried uh, Innovate stuff. I've Any rubber compound you can come up with, Butyl hasn't been topped yet for sweaty incline treadmill track. Yep, and I think this the VJ Spark specifically, I think, is my favorite treadmill shoe because it's got a... But that's just what I've, I've noticed. I found the Ultra to be pleasant. Okay. The all things right. I don't like about the Ultra don't come out uphill on a treadmill. All right, all right. Sweet. We should um, we should talk about me for a second. And then yeah. um, and then we, we have like a very short, sort of a short topic, maybe like a, um, I don't know, like a preview of what may come in future conversations, we'll call it, mm -hmm. um, that we're going to just chat out a little bit. But. I wanted to talk about me briefly in the sense, um, which I don't often, I feel like I don't really often want to talk about me on here. So, um, I feel that void. You do. You do. You feel it. Well, um, <laughs> it, it just with narcissist. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, and I think other people can relate maybe to my per particular situation. And that is deciding what to put your, focus on for this like this upcoming race season it is almost may i mean most of those decisions have been made by a lot of people um <clears throat> but i feel like i'm in a little bit of like a midlife crises with what to do with my fitness which is an interesting place to be i am waffling as to what i want to focus on suddenly as far as how to pick my race season from here on out and I made a post on Instagram, which people are so awesome. And I got so many responses to me asking what I should do. And we have a heavily OCR biased listener base, which I expected to come out in the responses. Um, but that just made me even more confused reading through responses. And not like anybody's really going to sway my decision on what to do with my racing season. But um, I was curious. I went through and read. There were 84 comments when I read. And yeah, I read them all because I was really? curious, probably just like you, but because it's, it affects me less. I was really curious what the audience was going to say. And I was shocked how many people said road marathon. And there was a number of people that said road marathon. So basically here's where I'm at. So 
I'll be 39 in two weeks, three weeks, and you'll be, what will you be? Our birthdays are what, a day apart, two days apart? Yes. Yeah. I will um, be 35. And so the, the situation I'm running into is um, I've been committed basically to the Spartan National Series since 2017 when I did my first one. So I've done five, well, four years. 2021 was like a gap year where I got to focus on trail racing, did my first true ultra, and I loved it. Um, also in this mix is, uh, my love for OCR, right? On top of that, like I still really enjoy OCR and whatever people want to think, because I laid an egg in my first U S national series race, um, due to my spear fiasco has no weight on my decision at all. Um, which I think some people are wondering, oh, he had a bad first race. Now he's not considering the series, which could not be further from the truth. That doesn't, you know me well enough to know that does not impact my decision whatsoever. And then you start to think, well, Bracken, I don't know if you know this, but I have not chased any sort of metric since college. All that mattered in college for us, Bracken, as collegiate athletes was what can I run the 1500 meters in to get me into nationals or to, um, or then perform at nationals or for you, the 800. Um, I don't even know what I can hang my hat on right now, as far as personal bests go, because everything we do is so subjective in our sport of trail racing and OCR times are irrelevant unless it's a perfectly fast, flat racetrack in the trail world. Anyways, in OCR, it's completely irrelevant. As you know, one of our pet peeves are people comparing previous times to current times on mm -hmm. courses because it's so irrelevant. It doesn't matter. Um, anyways, I don't have a marker to look back on like when i'm 50 and it's obvious that now my physiological markers are are going the other way which will happen father time is undefeated i don't even know what my mar i don't have a i've never run a marathon i've never i haven't actually tried to hit a fast 5k like i've done it on a whim as time trialing but and for some reason that seems to mean something to me like for me to be able to go to in the future be able to be like, I am a X marathoner and I saw that through, or I was able to get my 5K down in my late 30s to X. Like I haven't chased metrics in two decades, almost. And so for some reason that's gnawing at me, I'll be 39, there's still a chance that I can go out and perform close to my best. And I haven't done that yet. And so that's starting to like, that's like one of the birdies on my shoulder right now. Can you understand how I'd feel that way? Like I- 100%. And so a lot of people are commenting like, do it all, which is a, which is great advice in a sense. And you see a lot of people in our sport do it all, which means they do a little trail, they do a little OCR, they might hit a road race, but you and I both know we we're, we're too, we know too much. You can't do it all. If you want to do it your best, it is impossible to do it yeah. all and do it your best. And so now I'm sitting here wondering what the heck to do and I'm sure other people uh, are sorting through their pursuits as well in their own regard, but it's just so top of mind for me right now. I have not booked anything for Big Bear. I snuck into the DMs of the Superior Spring Trail 50K, which I won last year in a time trial format. Lottery closed on that four months ago. He said he'd get me in if I wanted to race it. <clears throat> Wonderful, this guy, I have a good relationship with them over there. So now I have these like options and I don't know what to do with them. And I'm super curious about the hybrid space to tell you the truth. Part of me is like, Christ, I think I could go in there and maybe d turn some heads in that, in that regard as well. And that's like a little thing that's floating around too. So as you can tell, I'm confused. <laughs> that's what I'm getting down to. What do you think of all that Bracken? When I was 16, they, they, they moved a family video to our hometown <clears throat> big controversy they had to go around and and get permission there was giant petitions that went around because the part of the community said it was going to be a porn store and there is that <sighs> black porn shop but little blacklist little back room and family video i believe and that was the do they put that in or do they not i don't think they even ever put it in but you know all the community activists were saying this will be the downfall of our community which if you know our community that's going to be the least of our concerns <laughs> but yeah. uh apparently those people had never heard of the internet and it changed my world not for the better 
They were very cheap <clears throat> movies there. It was cheaper than Blockbuster. But when I went to Blockbuster, at the time I was still biking because I didn't have a car. So I would go there knowing what I was going to rent. And I knew I didn't have much time there. So I would haul down the road. It was like two and a half miles to get to Block blockbuster go in beeline directly to the one or two movies i was looking for if the first one was there i took it if it wasn't i moved to the second one i got it i came home and i watched it mm-hmm. family video went in three blocks from my house i could walk down there and i would go up and down the aisles and 30 minutes later i was more confused than when i entered and i usually ended up disappointed by the one i chose because there were so many other options there that i thought maybe i could do it was actually tough and usually what happened is because the rentals were so cheap i'd get three i'd end up watching one or two not getting to the third returning it and then it didn't clarify my process for the next time and the point of all this is that I would not sometime... have expected you to go this direction. I thought you were going to go dirty with it on me, so I'm glad you didn't. But... No, no, no. No, I was a good kid. You were like, is it the the Blair Wench project I should have picked today? Or, <laughs> no, or was no, it no. School of Cock? I just can't decide. Wow. Mom, ignore what he's saying. This is early. He's all loopy. Continue. The point of all that rambling nonsense is that sometimes it's easier not to have options that a simple life is often better for us and you are at your point here where the simple life has stopped existing because your your singular focus that you've kept for the last five years or whatever it is is starting to drift and that's a good thing you're expanding your horizons but with that comes indecision and you combine that with you know, your biological clock is ticking. And we all get to that point at some point athletically where you want your your bio, your, your athletic tombstone to read some impressive things. And the last time, like you said, you focused on impressive metrics was college. But the further you get into life, the less people, including yourself, care about what your 800 or 1500 meter time. And they yeah. start talking about 5K, 10K marathon. So well, you are at a like- point... I would like to butt in that I don't care what people think of my PRs. This is for me. But you do. Correct. I don't give a shit what anybody listening thinks of how fast or slow I am. I very much appreciate your support. But I don't. this has nothing to do with others' opinions, is point B. No. I would appreciate but the people around insight. you. Yeah, I'd True. appreciate everybody's insight on all of this. But as far as, like, do I care if people know or think I'm fast, I don't care about that. But, yes, continue. Sorry. No, it's okay. And that's an important distinction. But if all the people around you talk about 5K marathon rather than mile 800, you start to think in terms of what could I do in a marathon? And then it like no one in college talks about a marathon. I knew one guy who ran a half in college and we all thought he was crazy and then it was going to ruin his track season. No, but then that perspective changes. So you're at that point where you have the perfect setup athletically where you're old enough to know it all and young enough to still do it. Right but sweet that spot. sweet spot window doesn't last long. So all this to be said, I commiserate with you. I know that's coming from me as well. Mm-hmm. And while I envy you still being able to do it at 39 and having that option, I don't envy having so many options because I know that that indecision, uh, you know, death by too many options is a real thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly true. It's a very privileged position I have found myself in. I haven't realized that the last time, so I've had some major injuries in the last few years. I had a foot, two foot stress fractures that took me out for, I didn't run for five months. Uh, I've been running consistently now since November of 2020, which doesn't seem very long, but for me, a year and a half of consistent training is longer than it's been in any time. And I'm just realizing like, I haven't done anything astounding in the last year and a half, but what I have done is not gotten injured knock on wood so mm-hmm. um point being is that i think i just kind of fell into this position where i could pivot um and uh and i'm confused people the the, the best of both world suggestion would be to do follow the u.s national series the beginning of the year <clears throat> i'd probably take a mid-year breather meaning like i'll take a seven to ten day reset and then try to build for a strong fall marathon. But then that still leaves the Spartan National Series. Like, 
it just doesn't quite align at the end of the year. We have some late races in the series, and then that's not going to – and if I want to do well in the series, I need to go perform well at the next four because my first one I didn't, and that means I need to see the series through, which then would cloud a fall marathon. So that one, like, almost works, but it doesn't quite work. Mm-hmm. I don't really care about my 5K time as much as I think about this marathon situation. And I know trail racing and 50Ks and maybe 100 someday will be there in my mid to late 40s in which I could still go out and win those things. So maybe the pressure of time on those shouldn't be as immediate because I feel like I could hang on to those metrics longer. But I also feel like right now I have the speed to go out and do it and do it really well. And so um, I still haven't made a decision, but I need to start booking some stuff because one race is two and a half weeks away, Big Bear, under three weeks. And I'm ready for it. Don't get me wrong. I think I can go and have a great showing. Spring trail race, spring superior 50K trail race, which is going to be highly competitive um, this year because it's a non-COVID year, is three weeks away. Haven't booked anything. Uh, and then the rest of the stuff I haven't, I haven't even thought past. So it's like I feel like the pressure to probably decide here pretty quick. So why don't you tell me, like, from your your, your opinion holds more weight than others, Bracken. And... And I value every single comment that people made on that post. And a lot of them were really well thought out. And some were, I think, less well thought out, but still like factors in because it was their knee jerk reaction to what they know about me. And so um, need to say all those hundreds of comments don't or whatever it is, didn't really clear the mud for me, so to speak. So mm-hmm. you are a bit of my voice of reason and you know me better than anybody. What would you do? Well, and again, I... this is a great situation. I'm in a great this is a, this is not like a ho hum. This is like a very encouraging, exciting, enlightening sort of position to be in. So this is all positive spins in my eyes. So I can't make a bad decision, is what I'm getting to. But your no. family video scenario may end up playing out where grass may be greener. You know. Yeah. So what do you got for me? Well, I've given this thought, and I've had my some of my, the athletes I work with weigh their opinion in to me about this hey do you see what kirk's doing what are your thoughts and so i actually spent the weekend thinking about this kirk cute okay first of all the paralysis by analysis situation is very real but i don't think you'll fall victim to that because you're not a paralysis guy you're going to keep doing action while analyzing throughout so i don't think that's necessarily your issue it's i agree starting in one direction pivoting into a different direction pivoting back you're you're a master pivoter but that in a running sense leads to never hitting a peak so here is what i think if you were a faceless person and i just knew what i knew about you i would tell you that the spartan series will treat you just as well this year or next year or the year after After that is when it's going to start to go downhill. But if we look at people who share your similar attributes, which are they haven't started slowing down in their late 30s. In fact, they've Mm -hmm. maybe started to improve as their staying power and hill acumen has risen. The Killians, the Woods, uh, Hobie, Cody, you have until about 41-ish, plus or minus a year in this sport before you actually start to go down. Same can't be said for the track of the roads that's more like 38 39 which means that you and 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 more i'm talking 5k and longer even 5k probably like your peak is behind you yeah from a pure i can feel that i can feel that already yeah but staying power wise anything that requires staying power you can hold it for another year or two so what i would say is that this year i would prepare for a fall marathon but it would be marathon one of two and it would be a non-important marathon so i would have your big goal to be a spring marathon and i would build for a fall marathon while keeping trail and ocr focused throughout it big bear i'd say it's your call do whichever one excites you more go to big bear or do superior i could care less both of them will be equally fine for you from that point forward, I would skip the rest of the series outside of Asheville. I think Asheville can Not a series be, race for... Uh, oh, it's for, not anymore, is it? For the elite. No, it's age group. Okay. Okay, so, so I the would, age group Asheville series race. Uh, f- you know, forget that, obviously. I would, um, I would avoid the altitude races because that doesn't do anything for you. 
that's only setting you up for failure unless you do like you did in Tahoe and you get out there early. Yep. Which I would support you doing that. And I would go all in on one extended marathon build. Then I would run the marathon, learn what you need to learn, yep. use winter, the early part of winter, to go after actual track work. Try to hit some PR over the winter as you rebuild for a spring marathon. Mm-hmm. Like a speed Nail, Yeah, just one. Get it out of the way as you rebuild and then run a spring marathon. Mm-hmm. From there, transition right back into OCR and trails and roll it out. I think two marathons and you'll be done. But see, I think a spring marathon, I think Grandma's in Duluth, which is a, a known as a, a fast marathon, but that's June. And see, that's not that's spring. late, right? But it's the one I it's the one I kind of want to do. Okay, so I. But I could go chase another one. Of course, I could go find another spring marathon. <clears throat> so what I would do then is I would run this June. I would do Grandma's if you can get your finagle your way in. Mm. I would get it out of the way. I'd use it as my learning experience, and then I'd run like Houston or something in the actual mm-hmm. spring. I'd run something flat, like an eight fast. Day. Yeah, or, or even earlier if you can find something, or or this fall. But either way, I would give yourself two marathons. You don't get near your ceiling on your first one. You learn yeah, I wouldn't would expect one. to. Yeah, exactly. That's why this. But that, th- that's why this seems so like so immediate. Is I understand like I need to swing a couple times at it in order to run your best, and that means I got to swing soon, the first crack in a sense. But yeah, but in between advice. the two, I would hit. I would hit, try to get a good five k in, <clears throat> and because you can run a couple of those in a summer with no issues so so i'd swing earlier on the marathon maybe maybe instead of fall spring i might go summer fall mm-hmm. and hit some track in between and then go back into ocr because i don't think ocr and trail are going to leave you behind as quickly as the road will right yeah the marathon it, it, the reason i've never done a marathon outside of i don't think i'm going to be any good at it is because I know what it will take for me to be any amount of good at it. By good, I mean reaching close to my ceiling in a marathon. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a commitment to it. And the commitment to a road marathon <laughs> is pretty substantial. And the only way to really do that is when you're you're passionate about it. And if you're feeling that passionate pull towards it, I would say that's when you pivot towards it and do it because you can't fake marathon passion. You're going to need minimum 12 weeks to get a good marathon in. Uh, Now, you might need less because you have a pretty solid staying power base built up, but you have to put in volume of some sort. You have to put in long, grindy workouts, and those are best to be done when you're fired up about doing it. Well, yeah, and it's not like an arbitrary – like I don't want to go out and run an arbitrarily fast marathon like of a very specific goal. I want to be a a 220s marathoner, meaning Mm -hmm. I want to run under 230 – uh, 230 on the head is 544 mile pace for the marathon. That's not something with my talent that I can haphazardly go out and just do. That's something that I need to really, really, really dial in. You mm-hmm. know, some people are just so fit, uh, over that duration that give or take, they're going to be able to run it. It's just how much underneath it they're going to be able to run. For me, it's right. going to take like the quadratic formula to figure out, you know, how to exactly get my body to be able to sustain 540 pace for 26 miles. And so, so that's where it's just like, yeah, of course I could go run one and maybe I will, maybe I still will focus on the Spartan national series and go take my hits at altitude and still just see where I'm at. Cause my, my fitness is good. And then run a random road marathon in the fall without perfectly specific work, but still learn a lot. And then next season go and, and dedicate necessarily to like a marathon like you mentioned but what if next year the national series isn't the mountain altitude series which it really is this year and then that's going to excite the shit out of me what if it goes back to seattle and we see a jacksonville suddenly i can use my non-altitude skill set again mm-hmm. and then then i'm going to want to do that and so that's why uh, i'd get it out of the way now I'd yeah. run a small one where you can lead and learn and then i'd run a big one where you can be pulled to a time <clears throat> Well, then maybe I hybrid train through OCR trail and marathoning and try to, in a sense, do it all, but do it smart. Swing at a marathon with some specific work in there, but not full focus. See what happens. 
and then maybe put a focus in the spring. Yeah, in the spring. Hmm. I'm gonna if think you did it. one you in the next great. 12 weeks, you could be ready for another one this fall, fall or winter, and then you could fully pivot back to OCR and trail by next year. Yeah. I mean, we saw Logan Broadbent just run a great Boston Marathon. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and perspectively from what we know, through a little bit of injury, not in the same fitness he had last year at this time from what we could tell in OCR, just a little behind, a step or two, not much. And he went out and smashed his marathon PR in Boston, ran 232. Amazing. Yeah. So We I saw John it, Albin run 226 on a course with over 1,000 feet of vert. Yeah. And maybe it was over 2,000, and he was doing one track session a week to try to get his legs ready for the roads. Like you, you, you can run a marathon as long as you're hitting two pavement runs per week. Yeah. And I'm hitting I don't think you have to now. go all in on the 100 mile week on pavement. I don't think that's necessary. Oh, yeah. And you convert all a lot of your long runs to the trail and still chasing vert while still getting in threshold tempo road work once a week. And every other weekend, maybe you hit a long run on the road. And every other weekend, you chase vert on the trails. And you could still be pretty balanced. Well, and the super shoe has changed the way you have to prepare for the pounding of the marathon. And I don't You're know not running this in. In, ba- in bare minimum road flats anymore you're running it in shoes that weigh the same amount but have a huge stack height so j- just a quick reminder for for you and for everyone else how much it matters so yesterday on my intervals i did shoe testing since i'm testing out the pumas um, the way i do shoe testing now is i have my control shoe and then i have my crazy control shoe and i bookend the workout with that and i do the meat of the work in the middle with the shoe i'm testing so I did six by mile. So I do the, yesterday I did the first two miles. I did out on the bike path, back, change shoes. So out mile, 60 seconds rest, come back, change shoes, out 60 seconds rest, come back, change shoes, repeat again. Big so workout. six by mile. The first two are in my control shoe, which is the Saucony Endorphin Pro. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's the, the no frill super shoe. I know exactly how it feels. My yep. second, the super control shoe is the Alpha Fly. I don't think that there's any shoe that can beat that shoe for me personally, and it feels so different. And then I sandwich my new shoe in between so I can compare it to the two. And by the end of the workout, I was starting to get those. I've been running on pavement for the first time in a long time feelings, and I put the Alpha Fly on, and I did my my mile, rested, was totally fine, came back. thought, oh, I'll just let it creep up a little because I was trying to run threshold. And I ended up – I was – I came through that mile at 5.17, which for me is way faster than threshold, but I was working a little bit more and I had the wind at my back. It was wind in my face out, but I thought I could hold this for another mile or so. But more importantly, if I backed it off a notch, I could run several more miles without physical deterioration. And that was the big reminder that at the end of a beat up run, having that huge stack height of super foam is the leg saver in a marathon. And so I don't think it's required anymore to do crazy amount of pounding to toughen up your legs for a marathon. I think you can do the bare minimum pounding and the super shoe carries you through the pounding on race day. Let me do enough, I do enough descending. I know it's different, but where I'm taking plenty of eccentric damage. Um, yeah, one or two pavement days plus a super shoe and you get through a marathon these <clears throat> days. Would you, would you go with the alpha fly? Yeah, I still think there's two types of super shoes. There's the fast, aggressive super shoe, and then there's the kind where you just have full stack height and you're getting all the cushion possible. That's the way I would go for a marathon. Mm -hmm. And so I would either be in the Alpha Fly, the New Balance RC Elite 2, or probably the Asics Meta Speed Sky. Those three are the three that I just feel that my body wouldn't break down throughout mm. the same. And I, there are people who want to be like rolled over an edge on their super shoe. The alpha fly is an example of that. The way that the endorphin pro rolls you forward, the alpha fly drops you off a cliff forward. I'm sorry. The vapor fly drops you off a cliff forward. That's nice for me for a running race, like 10 K or under. But if I'm going to marathon, I want the crazy boing of the alphas. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, yeah, I, I just wouldn't mess around with impact. I may get a pair just to play around with it, but um, all all of this conversation 
to say, I, I guess I'm hoping you guys maybe will learn something from me sussing out my options because you, you brought me through a pretty good thought process there. And I think your, your advice was sound. Um, you know, do you give a shit about your life metrics personally as an athlete? I'm starting mm-hmm. to realize maybe I do. And sure, I can hang my hat on a few good OCR performances, but nothing that I feel like I've, I've done fully to my potential yet. And um, it's a it's a privileged but complicated thing to, to suss out, especially as you feel the pressure of time, which is self-imposed. And then mm-hmm. just by my, my biological clock, so to speak. And so ultras will always be there for me. I understand the slow stuff we can go, we can go hit for a while, but um, yeah, I don't know how many of you out there listening are waffling over decisions. Bracken, now you have some maybe to waffle over coming up after you get through high rocks, what you want your focus to be. Um, I just think it's a worthwhile conversation. I think so many of you listening are just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks, which is okay if you're having fun and you're enjoying it. Um, a lot of people's answer was whatever excites you the most. Mm-hmm. Well, it all excites me, right? And of course it all excites you guys listening too. But most of you listening are never reaching your ceiling with anything. And I hate to tell you that, but I'm going to say 99% of you listening are never reaching your ceiling with jack shit because you're trying to do it all. And I don't, I don't want to be a guy who doesn't reach a ceiling. Like mm-hmm. that doesn't work for me. And so um, I think it's a, a, a worthwhile thought for those listening to think like, do I want to reach a ceiling? And if so, that means I need to focus on something very specifically. Um, and that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. Do you think I'm wrong in that assessment about our listener base? In general, the running community like will never see their ceiling because they're too distracted. You're right. Not because of our audience, because of humanity. Yeah. That is what people are. We, how many people have put their 10,000 hours in with purpose in any area? Or you look around and see people who aren't even good at their job after 30 years because you're complacent. Uh, yeah. we, we just very few people truly even see their I – don't, I don't think most people ever hit their ceiling. Well, but even very the ones few who are people, focused never hit their ceiling, whether yeah. it's their own mental blockages or their injury problems or life-work balance. Anyways, I don't continue. think most people, though, even see their ceiling. <laughs> I don't think most people ever – it's a false summit for most people. Yeah. to use a mountain running analogy you think you see the the summit and you gauge your your metrics your effort and your mindset based upon that false summit and you get there and everything you thought to be true is not true anymore and you're left with that realization of i'm not near the top but yep. now i can see the top and you have to break your head up through those clouds of the false summit to see what your actual ceiling is and most people don't get to that point. They see the false summit and they make assumptions about it because they never go all in to try to hit that. And until you try to hit that, you never pop your head above and be like, oh, there's something more up there. So no, I think you're right on that. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. My standard question for everyone is always, any athlete I work with is what excites you most? And since you don't know currently, the follow-up question is then the opposite. Rather than which one is shiniest, looking back, which one would I have regrets that I didn't try? Because that's what we have at the end of our life, whether it's life or athletic life. We have our shiny PRs that sit on our wall, but we also have our regrets. Mm -hmm. What do I wish I could do over? What did I wish I had tried? And those are the ones that eat at people. You know, I know someone with a 150.00 800 meter, 800 meter PR. He is never going to be a 149 guy. And in fact, his race was 149.997 and it's automatically rounded up. So that would be a little bit of a burr in his saddle, so to speak. But it won't be because he gave it. It's the event he didn't try. What could I have done in the mile at the time? That'll be the thing that he'll question the rest of his life. So if you don't know what's shiniest right now, what will you regret not going after most? And I think that's the one that over the next days or weeks mm-hmm. will become apparent to you. Yeah. Yeah, that's good advice. I mean, I'll always wonder about the marathon, always. Mm-hmm. However, what excites me the most, no, what would probably excite me, make me feel the most satisfied, is if I were to commit to the series, have a great run here these next four races, the U.S. National Series, 
and hang my hat on a top five U.S. National Series overall performance knowing I was racing races that had everything stacked against me. Okay. But that's the long play. And that's a play that doesn't excite me immediately, especially with Big Bear coming up next. It's a race that excites me the least. Once Mm -hmm. we get to the longer stuff, the remainder of the season, the longer the race, the more altitude becomes less of a factor, which sounds crazy to say. And so I can utilize more of my fitness in the next three beast races at altitude than I can in a super comparatively. The higher percentage of my VO2 max I need to work at, the less you can access in short, spicy races at altitude. Now, Big Bear's not short and spicy. It's an hour plus long race, but my chances are much better in a two and a half hour long race at elevation um, coming from sea level. And so it's this immediate decision, honestly, is the one that's like Big Bear's in two and a half weeks. I got to decide right now, otherwise the whole series is gone. See, to me, that's the easiest decision. It's Just close. It. Pull the trigger on it. Who cares? That it'll, it'll clarify. You'll either get done and be like, well, I shouldn't have done that. And now you know, or I'm glad I did that. And yeah. now you know. Because if truly it is the series that immediately <laughs> you would regret not going after, then now no, I you get... Immediate, I went to immediately regret it. It'd be more like this is like sh- that long play. Oh, I'm talking short, long term, like one year from now, not 15 years from now. Oh, sure. Like immediately, this is the one that, oh, uh, you know what? I had that year. I should have... Not 10 years down the road, you won't care about that, but short, long term. But if you decide the series is what I should do, then it becomes fun. Even if the series isn't fun to say, okay, how can I be most ready for a fall marathon off being maximum ready for this series? Because there's a little bit of finagling you can do with your workouts, which you already do, that you can make them slightly more marathon specific, even if it just means the terrain you choose. I guess, and I think you could run a 90% marathon off Spartan beast training. Yeah, I agree with you. And I suppose going to Big Bear just keeps a door open instead of closing one right away. Yeah, so to speak. But then I really want to do the Superior Spring 50K, which is seven days later which I guess I could do both, but... Big Bear's a super, correct? Yeah. I think you can do both. But then I'm going to need a hard reset after a spring trail race, and then another, I think Mexico's like June. Like, I'm. it would just be so tight, it would probably affect Mexico, which would be the first beast race in which I could have a real shot at going and doing well, in my opinion. So I'm going to think on this for... Uh, I'm giving myself until the weekend, so... That's what I've got, but okay. you're making That's a lot of tomorrow. sense here. Tomorrow's the weekend. No, this is a Tuesday episode, Bracken. Kirk, I have not left my fog. This is wild. <laughs> I thought this was Friday. <laughs> oh, man. I got to take the kids to school today. Yeah, and speaking of which, we are not getting to a topic today because I selfishly no? logged a large portion of this. Um, I needed to get this off my chest and talk it out, and I would actually appreciate – some DM slide-ins if you have heavy thoughts on this, because um, I know you got to bring the kids to school, which means your cutoff's in four minutes. Um, so I think we have to save our topic for next time. Sorry if this felt yeah. like a selfish episode on our behalf, chatting between Bracken and myself, but um, not that this is therapy, but like this is a real decision that I feel like I'd like to be able to make here, and so it's important for me to chat out, so thanks for bearing with it. Let me end with some uh, some Macaulay Crocker wisdom. Kirk. He's a smart guy. I was impressed with him. This is going to be good. He's a smart guy. Yep. And he's the opposite of me. Well, maybe not the opposite, but <laughs> the smart oftentimes. Guy thing or what? <laughs> yeah, the smart guy. <laughs> thing. Oftentimes, like, I spend a, all my time running and all my time <laughs> when I'm not doing something, thinking about the things I want to do or say. So much of what comes out of my mouth, even if it comes out in the moment, it's been rethought prior. But mm-hmm. I'm also very comfortable with just talking an idea out for the first time out loud. Yeah. Whereas he will almost never do that. You'll almost never hear him say something he hasn't thought through. And yet his one area of not doing that is he is a lover of snap judgments, snap decisions, where his belief is sometimes the very first thing you do, if you take yourself out of it and just react, like there's some truth inside you that knows how to analyze things so let's end on this if i gave you three seconds to decide right now are you going to bigfoot i mean bigfoot bob big bear yes or no one two three Mm, yes okay 
are you going to do a fall marathon this this winter or this fall one two three you got an answer no that wasn't a snap decision oh well i'm saying that right now commit to it there's a button in front of you will you run a marathon this calendar year yes or no you got to choose right now that's not a snap decision. You just got to blurt out. I don't. I know, but if I don't, I don't. I don't. Clearly, I'm confused. This should work. No, your your thought process is good. So that's what you have to do. Then is you have to go to Big uh, Big Bear. I keep saying Bigfoot because I taught at Bigfoot High School mm-hmm. for several years. What I need to do is I need to look at. I don't remember the dates of the second half of the Spartan National Series. And so then I, I would stop right here. I would stop right here and say my snap decisions. What deep down my gut knows ends at Big Bear. And so I need to just put everything out. I can't even look past Big Bear and just go do it and mm-hmm. then use whatever happens there as refining my clarity for the second half. I think yeah. other anything other than that, if you can't make a snap decision, then you're not ready for it yet. I don't have all the info, meaning I need to actually know dates like yeah. of the series, which I don't at beyond like July. And I wouldn't even find those dates out until after Big Bear. I think I would just go all in mentally on Big Bear is all I think about. I wouldn't even start researching yet until after that. I'm probably going to get off this and start researching. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Yeah, naturally. Um, Okay, we need to go. You need to go. Your, Your timeline's coming up in a minute here. So... That was helpful. That was actually very helpful. This was very helpful for me. I know I don't sound like I have more clarity. I just need to digest now. So um, that's what I'm gonna. That's what I'm gonna. Sometimes do. understanding that there's no clarity and that there's not a easy right or wrong decision is just as important as having the right or wrong presented to you. Oh yeah, I don't think there's gonna be perfect clarity in this, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm totally at terms with that already. So, um, all right, man. Audience, thank you for putting up with that, and that was helpful for me. And you're gonna, and, and I guess maybe maybe we'll have this conversation with you coming up in the future after you get through High Rocks Worlds. Looks like Mine's your partner's easy, Kirk. looks like your partner's an animal right now. So she's in shape. Yeah. My decision's easy. My plan for the year was to maximize my lactate threshold. That's it. So what race I do or don't have doesn't matter. I'm still doing three minute, five minute, seven minute <laughs> intervals throughout this entire year. I'm doing long runs and hill workouts. It doesn't matter. The race I choose doesn't matter because this is a build up fitness year. The race just adds the specificity. You're focusing so my, on the training uh, and and you can pivot however you want off of that. We are in opposite spaces. I want to be next year feeling the fitness and the confidence you have this year. So the year you've put in prior to this is what I'm putting in this year. I like it. Simple. Clear. Stay out of my own way. It's simple. Yeah, that is. That's good. Um, All right. Sun's starting to get in my eyes. If you haven't noticed, I'm slowly washing out. So that must be our cue. It's our cue. Kirk, this was enjoyable. This was enjoyable. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Bracken. See you soon. (laughs) 